There's a new virus in the database. We have a zero bug attacking all login and all the way files. Run antivirus. Give me a systems display. So today's discussion, it will be into three sections, cyber resilience, and then we'll take a deep dive into a specific scenario and we'll be using the DNS security there. And then we'll discuss the new ADF strategic review and what does that mean to the cybersecurity workforce. So if you like any specific subject, you can go straight away to that subject. If you like to start with the cyber resilience, it's the right place here to go. So let's get started talking about the cyber resilience and what does that mean. It is the ability to adapt to disruptions caused by cybersecurity incidents while maintaining continuous business operations. This includes the ability to detect, manage, and recover from cybersecurity incidents. The ability to anticipate, withstand, recover from, and adapt to adverse conditions, stresses, attacks, or compromises on systems that use or are enabled by cyber resources. Designing more survivable, trustworthy systems. Here, I would like as well to mention, I, uh, as I always do when it comes to cyber resilience, the NIST SP800-160 Volume 2 and as well get the Volume 1, which talk about the cyber resilience engineering. And because Volume 2 is intended to be used by Volume 1, really good documentations to uh, have when you want to apply and have your organization be uh, a cyber resilient organization. Cyber resilience systems are systems that are or have security measures or safeguards built in as a part of the architecture and design. And that display a high level of resilience, thus can withstand cyber attacks, faults and failures and continue to operate in a degraded uh, state to carry out mission critical functions for the organization. From an enterprise risk perspective, cyber resilience is intended to reduce the risk of any potential compromise. I will use a quick example. In 2017, NAT Petia hit a very huge shipping company, Maersk, and where ultimately they needed to rebuild their entire IT infrastructure. And the company really did struggle to use their manual workarounds, and it took them more than three weeks to recover. And the estimate loss during these weeks were at least $300 million. Having or being a cyber resilient affects your business and your bottom line. NotPetya as well spread into 60 countries uh, when it uh, first hit. Cyber resilience requires a systematic, structured, adaptive approach. The traditional cyber security is insufficient. Using NIST CSF evaluation for security maturity isn't enough, won't cut it, as it just focuses or cover 80% on identification, protection, and detection, and only 20% on the organization ability to respond and recover from a breach. This shows a gap in business continuity, contingency, and recovery plans. Cyber criminals are very well financed, highly organized, and innovating. 
at a much faster pace than unfortunately the cybersecurity defense and protection industry. A strategic framework of cyber resilience should be applied, should be used. A cyber resilient company that rapidly gain its performance capabilities after a shock, a cyber attack, operates on four distinct timescales, anticipations, absorption, responsiveness, and shaping. And using seven adaptive design principles, prudeness, redundancy, diversity, modularity, adaption, embeddedness, and reimagination. So imagine you have a time scale with performance and time. And you have scales of anticipation, absorption, uh, responsiveness, and shaping. And you have a time of performance happening, and then there's the shock, the cyber attack. And if you're a cyber resilient company, the shock will be just a flick in that gram and it will go back to normal performance and keep production. If you're not, it will take you that time to regain that peak performance and come back to production again. Now we'll go a little bit uh, deeper into explaining exactly what these uh, seven principles will give us. With their anticipation, it is anticipating before the breach. The principle of prudence tells us if something can go wrong, it will eventually happen. Murphy's Law, the ability to anticipate not only on known cyber threats, but also on how to respond and recover from unknown or not yet invented threats. The most effective way to start developing prudeness is with tabletop exercises. Too often, uh, tabletop exercises focus on incident response on a cyber attack with only the cyber response team and the crisis management team involved. Involving these teams only is like, for example, a, a, a fire warden conducting a fire drill without employees participating. It is meaningless. Prudeness instruct that all employees must participate in that exercise. Sales, customers, IT, HR, no exceptions. If we move further, which is the absorption part, reducing the immediate impact of the breach, there are three principles or independent leverage of absorbing the impact of the cyber breach. Redundancy, diversity, and modularity. Redundancy, multiple data centers or cloud instances, backup, restore, load balances, cold, hot, warm data centers. Diversity, harness the power of heterogeneity in people process systems. Diverse your system application and data center. Have more than one channel of communication. This will be a challenge as the benefits of efficiency are noticeable and immediate, whereas cyber resilience benefits of diversity are obscure and latent. Modularity refers to the possibility of isolating compromised systems from healthy systems and substituting healthy to perform the critical enterprise functions. Isolation is a common focus in uh, zero trust architect network segmentation and least privilege access management. The resilience by design, for example, I will use the DBOS operating system, the database-oriented OS, which is a self-detecting cyber attack OS that will roll back to pre-attack status in seconds without the need of restoration. It's self-healing. This is the new wave of OS that will uh, be used in the cloud in any really secure environment, especially banking, for example. Uh, this kind of operating systems are becoming uh, more developed and hopefully we'll start seeing some commercial component or part uh, used. Uh, moving on with the responsiveness 
uh, which is the third timeline. We have two principles there, the reduce or reducing the duration of the breach, the adoption and embeddedness. The adaption is required to recover from known and unknown threats, adapting to the attack and defense cycles, gathering intelligence on the evolving situation, new actions are tried and successful measures are amplified. I'll give here a very, very uh, good example on the adoption part of that. Before the Russian-Ukrainian war took place, there used to be uh, or happens a lot of cyber uh, skirmishes between Ukraine and Russia. So the Ukrainian will attack certain government entities in Russia and put their website down. And the Russians as well, in return, they will attack, for example, the power grids in Ukraine. And one of the attacks uh, took remote uh, control of six grids, master control computer, and shut down only five of the six grids. The sixth stayed on due to adaptive response of the operator. Realizing the adversaries has took control of his main computer, he pulled the ethernet cable, disconnecting the adversary and the computer off the grid. Although this or his response isn't standard and business continuity plan, the operator knew the fail-safe conditions of the grid was to continue supplying electricity to the customers. So him knowing his environment and adapting to all these measures, he did the right thing and acted at the right time and saving the day. So his grid continued to be operational and provide power and nothing went down on that day. That's a great example to use. Now embeddedness, it's the embrace of the principle that no system or organization is an island isolated upon itself. It's part of an ecosystem of suppliers, employees, customers. When one is breached, it will impact others. One of the great examples to use here as well, the solar wind in 2020, hack that affected 18,000 companies in one hit, and at least what we know of nine government agencies. It is the domino effect. Last but not least is the shaping. After the breach is over, Reimagination is how resilience company or companies increase their future resilience with both the enterprise and the ecosystem after a breach. They use cyber breaches as a stimulus to reimagine how to make their operation more efficient. So adapting this new modern way of cyber resilience is the right way to, to move forward in the cybersecurity program and not only rely on the classical frameworks that will provide you good controls, but you need to be resilient or if you are serious in being a resilient cybersecurity embedded in your operation, this is what you need to do. Now, we'll go into the scenario that we have and I'm not going to use backup or a load balancer. I want to use something new and something interesting, which is the DNS uh, security. So the scenario or the big example using here is introducing you to DNS security and explaining how is that or cyber resilience is uh, included there. Um, back in 2018, Telios, which is the cybersecurity arm of Cisco, discovered an unknown group targeting the internet core infrastructure. The campaign dubbed as DN Spionage, a good play on words here, and a usual silly name for a group behind it was a Sea Turtle. 
Before going further in that, just to explain very, very quickly what is a DNS. The domain name system is the critical component of the internet responsible for converting human readable websites names into numerical IP addresses. Like, for example, the cyberphoenix.com.au is translated into an IP where the routers and the switches and all that understand and work. The DNS is simply referred to the phone book of the internet. And this is very, very critical to how the internet work and operate. So moving from the silly name of the sea turtle that uh, was given as this group is, for example, of an Iranian origin, uh, surely depending on who you ask, this group could be called the loving, charming kittens or given a name of one of the elements, for example. This is one of the things that need to be addressed in the cybersecurity industry to at least have a shared database so they will know who they are tracking, uh, you know, the same group, for example. As if I'm an APT, to be to be honest, I would enjoy the confusion cybersecurity vendors cause sometimes. The main target of this group was and still is rerouting website and addresses of targeted top domain into malicious servers and stealing uh, credentials, an attack known as site spoofing. They even use their own HTTPS certificates for the target for the targeted domains from another providers to make the malicious servers look like the real deal. And uh, this is what is known as the X509 certificate impersonation to evade detection. ICANN, which is the nonprofit organization charged with keeping the internet address book, announced that. That DNS naming, uh, domain naming system was under an ongoing attack. What gave Sea Turtle up is the new TTP tactic technique and procedures they were using. Using these techniques, this group compromised even NetNode, which is one of the 13 route servers and a major DNS provider in Sweden. Uh, the main targets were ministries of foreign affairs, military organization, intelligence agencies, energy companies, telecos, and ISPs with a specific target of top-level domain CCTLDs. While the main attack vector was spear phishing and using many known vulnerabilities to gain foothold on the DNS top level providers, the main target was poisoning the DNS records of their clients and stealing their passwords. For this, the DNS provider, they should have a good email uh, security filtering product in place first and a proper cyber awareness training. But what about the clients? Starting in your environment using DNSSEC, a cryptographical, more secure domain naming system that is harder to spoof and employs two-factor authentication on organization DNS records. Using the registry lock features, monitor certification usage and changes in your environment via certificate transparency logs. So employing all these mechanisms to make your uh, DNS more secure, more responsive and more resilient will give you that edge of uh, deflecting these attacks and knowing when things happen and have different solutions in place is key. So the solutions are there, the controls are there. It's just up to organizations to put priorities and invest and implement these solutions to have a proper uh, resilience and don't have any weak or gaps 
in your program or in your security controls. So that's it about the resilience and the scenario you want. we want to use and use as well something new with the DNS security. Now we'll go to the uh, Australian uh, Strategic Defense Review and talk a little bit about it. So the Australian Defence Force strategic review changes affecting Australia's military priorities and doctrine. The government released the defence strategic reviews on Monday, promising 19 billions of spending to help improve the range and force projection of the Australian Defence Forces to Australia's north in response to greater major power competition. Obviously, there will be difficult decision and trade-offs to manage the defense budget over the immediate period as there are 7.8 billions of cuts achieved through changes in priorities and programs, unfortunately. It is understood that six defense projects have been canceled, six delayed, and 21 rescoped, including reduction in land combat vehicles, for example, from 450 to 129. I won't go into a long discussion of the whole strategy and what will it mean to Australia's long-term defense strategy and security. Our focus is on the last domain mentioned in the review, which is cyber. And the five domains being our maritime, land, air, space, and cyber. And it is interesting here to see that they didn't combine, as I've seen in different doctrine and programs, the cyberspace in one. Hoping that will be uh, giving attention and more priority to the cyber program as the space program here for Australia is we don't have the enough budget for that and we're, they're being very reasonable about the capacity and what we can do and what we can uh, achieve in the cyber security range and cyber warfare australia can do so much we have the capacity the capability and we have the means to do it so uh, separating them is something uh, to be looked into in a positive way in the review adf declared to be addressing radical different strategic circumstances by mentioning that our alliance partner, uh, the US, is no longer the unipolar leader of the Indo-Pacific region with a clear obvious reference to the rise of China. The region has seen the return of major power strategic competition and the intensity of which should be seen as the defining feature of our region and time. As Australia during the post-war period, the priority for defence uh, in Australia was, or the defence doctrine was, focused more on low-level conflict from small to middle regional powers, uh, which the review said it is no longer suitable. The strategic review document released is 116 pages, and uh, it is good to mention that this is the unclassified version of it. There's the official one that is classified and will be mentioning things in names. And not only that, they will have indexes as to why when they, for example, mention a certain country, what other countries might come in, their, uh, in its aid and support and be part of that alliance that there is. So the official one will be much, much bigger than that. And there will be a lot of uh, other indexes and supporting documents of why this strategic review and the change in our doctrine uh, is proposed.
In force design and force structure section, it mentioned to maximize the deterrence, denial and response options for the government. The ADF must evolve into a genuine integrated force which harness effects across the five domains maritime, land, air, space and cyber. It mentioned in the loss of warning time cyber attacks as an example, the warning of a cyber attack is within minutes, it is detected and responding to it in a cyber warfare scenario. Cyber warfare is not bound by geography. The rise of the missile age in modern uh, warfare crystallized by the proliferation of long range precise strike weapons uh, has radically reduced Australia's geographic benefits. The comfort of distance is something of the past. The review had a great focus on cyber resilience and robust cyber security, data networks and space capabilities. In the cyber domain targeting section, it mentioned Australia's cyber information operation capabilities must be scaled up and optimized under Project Redspice, the Australian Signals Directorate is significantly expanding its signals, intelligence and cyber capabilities and capacity. Defence must enhance its cyber domain capabilities to deliver the required responsiveness and support ADF operations. This must focus on integrating the defence and management of defence, C4 network and architecture delivering a coherent and, where possible, centralized cyber domain capabilities, development and management functions, and building and sustaining a trained cyber workforce. Options should be developed to change defense recruitment framework to improve the eligibility pool of potential applications and to align service recruitment requirement to military employment, especially in key technical and specialist trades, cyber engineering space. This will be very, very good news to many in the industry, especially people coming new to the cybersecurity industry, as uh, this will give them a bigger chance in securing a really good uh, role there as ADF hopefully will be one of the biggest cyber employers in Australia and hoping as well to remove the red tapes in the long recruitment process they have, which will make it easier uh, to recruit talents and approach these talents to uh, the ADF. In that, I'm not going to expand further on what we want to talk about. I just want to mention these key elements of what are the changes and what will that mean to us in the cybersecurity industry and hopefully that create a lot of uh, employment opportunities uh, within the defense forces and build a real safe cyber uh, defenses here in Australia. Uh, that's it for this season. We'll uh, take a short break and then we'll come up with so many interviews that we'll be talking about as well in season two with many, many talented people I want to bring in and hopefully some from the Defense Force in the cyber arena that will explain some of the key things they're doing. Thanks for now and have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Rising Cyber by Chad Sally B.